From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. How many think Sunday's the best day? I think Sunday's the best day. And do you know what? I'm just, I have this really big conviction that church needs to be fun. Right? Like, we need to have fun in church. I know somebody's with me over there, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that there's a few of us, right? But church needs to be fun. I'm just so excited that you're here, and um, I, I just want to hit a couple things again. Um, you may have seen that on the, on the announcements there that we have a baptism happening next week. I just love baptisms. Baptisms are my favorite thing. It's super short notice, but like I've said before, we will fill up the tank for anybody who wants to get baptized. And so if you're interested, you're like, I've been thinking about this. I've been praying about this. I believe this is my next step. Then come see me or see one of the pastors or just go online to fill out our form and we'll, we'll get you in. But just so you know, if you don't make it next week, it's okay. Because we will fill up that tank for anybody. It's just, it's a good thing. And then we're excited about it next week. Um, it, also not on the announcements, but just to let you know, the Valentine's Day fundraiser dinner is still happening this Friday, I want to say Valentine's Day is. And so if you've uh, signed up to be a part of that, basically what's happening here is they're putting on a fancy dinner. The youth are putting on a fancy dinner um, for people who want to come and just have a nice um, not casual, but dressed up dinner. Think of it this way, though. You're not just, you know, maybe you're going to go somewhere else, but this goes towards a good cause. This is a fundraiser dinner um, for Overflow Youth, I want to believe they're using it for. And what Overflow is, it's a, it's a convention where students all across Southern Ontario gather and worship God and hear a message from God. And I can say from personal experience, I've seen so many students' lives changed at this event. I've seen leaders' lives changed. I've seen pastors' lives changed at this event. And so, so when you come and you have this dinner, not only are you having a nice dinner with, you know, maybe someone that you love or care about, and it's fancy, and apparently it's supposed to be amazing, like delicious, but you're actually supporting a student or students to be impacted by Jesus, and I think that's that's worthy. So if you got nothing to do Friday night, you know, or you know, you don't even have to come, you can just you can just donate towards the cost, you know, you can just say, hey, listen, I'm a homebody, but I believe in in supporting students, so. I'm going to give towards that. And there goes the iPad. Um, also, uh, just a, a way of, of reminder, on Wednesday nights, um, there's a small group of us that gather for prayer on Wednesday nights. And I just want to encourage you, if you are free to join us, come on out from 6.30 to 8. It's casual. It's not, it's not anything fancy. It's just we gather and we pray because we believe that, that prayer is the furnace for this church, right? If we're going to see God move and see God do incredible things, then we just need to come together in unity and in prayer. Um, it's, it's good time. Um, we're going to start a new series today called Relationship Reset um, that I'm excited about, Relationship Reset, because it is the month of February, right, the love month. And this is going to take us for the next four weeks, and then after that, we're going to do something that I'm really excited about, which will carry us right into Easter. And if you're like me, I'm already excited about Easter, not only for what Easter represents, not only for the fact that we can reach our community, but just everything that happens in around that time. It's, it's such a great time of the year. I think Easter should be better than Christmas. We should, should put up lights for Easter just because we make Christmas a big deal, but Easter is all about the cross and what Jesus did. And so I'm excited about that. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 18 in just a moment. Um, this is going to be our, our theme verse for this series. But if you could, as you're turning there, just close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. 
We thank you that we can come and we can worship you in unity. We thank you that we are in a free place to do so. Lord, I know that you've just blessed this church, God, and I just thank you for the, the talent and the teams, God, that, that help, Father God, make us come in this place or can help us come in this place and just worship freely. God, we give you glory. But now as we turn your, our attentions, God, to, to what you want to say this morning, open our hearts. Open our hearts, God, just to center our focus in on you this morning. And I pray, Father God, that as you speak, God, we would be receptive to what you say. So we open our hearts, God, we fertilize the soil of our hearts, and we ask in the name of Jesus that the seeds that you plant would take deep root in Jesus' name. We love you, God. And everybody said, amen. If you had, uh, if you had the opportunity, if you had a reset button, and you could just press reset on something, what and where and when would you press reset? Every day, right? You know, you just had a button that you could press. You could just, maybe you would just want to reset school. You've, you've, you've gone through school and you're just like, man, I just want to start over. I want to do over. Mulligan time, reset. I want to reset school. Or maybe it's your job. You've gone through the school thing and you're in a job and you're just like, man, how? I don't want to do this. I just reset. You just want to press that button and kind of start from scratch. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's your bank account. You just wish you could press reset on your ba- bank account a couple times a day, maybe. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's something you said to, a, to one of your kids. Want to reset that, or maybe it's a conversation you had with a neighbor, or maybe it's a conversation you had with your boss at your job, and that's why you want to press reset. You know, if there's things that we could we could just press the reset button on, what would we press reset on? Would we press reset on relationships? Would we press reset on things in our relationship, on the conversations we've had, or maybe what things that we've done? When I, was, uh, when I was a kid, we had these, these video games, and some of you are probably with me and remember this, that used cartridges, that you literally had to blow in the cartridge in order for them to work. You know, some of you are tracking with Super Nintendo, you know, back in the day. It wasn't CDs, it wasn't downloaded from some cloud on the internet, it was a cartridge you put in. And what would happen is often we put this cartridge in, at least for us, and we'd turn the system on, and it'd be like, it'd be glitchy, and it'd freeze, and you'd have to press reset, you know, you'd press reset, and it would, it would work as it's designed, and Today, I don't have those, but I have something called Wi-Fi in my house, and sometimes my Wi-Fi doesn't work the way it's supposed to, and if you're with me, you know what I'm talking about. It gets laggy and slow, and I can't, you know, get on the, you know, web browser that I'm trying, or on my phone or my app or whatever I want to use quick enough, and I'm like, man, it's not happening in three seconds. There's something wrong, so I need to reset my, my modem or reset my, my router in order for it to function properly, and even with my phone. I don't know about you, but my phone seems to like to slow down once in a while. It, it lags, and the apps don't work like they're supposed to, and it's not because Apple is slowing down my phone from far away. It's because something is, you know, I've been running my phone, and my phone's been on for such a long time, I have to do a hard reset. And when I do that for these, for these things, it kind of just clears the clutter. Right? It clears the clutter of these things and allows those things like my phone and my Wi-Fi and back in the day those video games to work as they're intended to work. You know, when it comes to relationships, we can't, we can't press reset and, and totally you know, start from scratch. Right? We, can't, we can't wipe away our history. We can't wipe away what's happened, but we can refocus our attention. We can, we can shift our perspective and focus on, on the relationship the way that, that God intended. And that's what this, this series is all about, is, is focusing and operating our relationships, specifically in our marriage, the way that, that God intended and designed us to do. Now, here's my sidebar, okay? If you are single, 
here today, don't tune me out. Because there are principles in this series that you can apply for your future. If you are single and you're like, it's enough for me to be single for life, there are principles that you can apply. I'm, I'm going to hit and target couples and marriages, but there are principles that you can apply for your life. If you are maybe in a relationship but you're not married yet, although we're targeting marriages, there are, don't tune me out, okay? I, I need to say this because we have a tendency that say, this is not for me, so I'm not going to listen. I'm going to go into my headspace and think about what I'm doing later, but, but, but focus in. It's important for us to know this. If you are on a different spiritual page than your spouse, do not tune me out because there are principles that you can look at and that you can apply. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to target marriages, but what I'm trying to do is I'm going to put my finger on the individual. I've said this in the past. You can't change people, right? But you can work on you. And same within your, in your marriage relationship. You can't change your spouse, but you can work on you, and that can impact the relationship. And so that's just uh, the sidebar for us. So Genesis chapter 2, starting to verse 18, I think it will be on the, the screen there for us. It says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Thank goodness. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Verse 19, now the Lord God formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was his name. That's a platypus for sure. That one's a platypus god. Like, imagine the conversation, like, kind of going, like, Adam, what, do you, what are you going to call this? And God's probably got, I, I got a name for this. I already know what I think this should be called, but let's just see what Adam's going to, platypus, armadillo, what in the world is that? Let's call that a cat. That's definitely a cat, you know? That's how the conversation went. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and the wild animals, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out of the man the one of his ribs, closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought, it, brought her to man. This is like the first transplant. Ever think about that? Something was needed in someone else. They took it out of Adam and made Eve. At least the first surgery. Do you know what I believe in this series? I believe that God's, and somebody prayed for it this morning in, in pre-service prayer. I believe that God's going to do some surgery in some hearts. I believe that he's going to do some transplanting in relationships. Right? I, I believe that there's something that exists in your relationship that your relationship status needs a little work on, and God's just going to perform a little surgery. He's going to work on it. Maybe if you're on Facebook, and I know people don't tend to do this nowadays because they've learned their lesson, but a, a while ago, you could change your relationship status to, like, complicated, which is telling the world that, you know, all your news, which you probably shouldn't have shared. But I just believe that through this, I'm hoping for and I'm praying for that, that surgery happens in your heart, and that's going to impact your relationships. Verse 23, at last, the man exclaimed, because he's been waiting since the beginning of the day when he was created. At last, finally, this, is, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She would be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The two are united into one. The two become one. There is no longer two in the relationship. You are to be as one. This is the first marriage. 
This is the first marriage. Um, this comes from the creation story. God just finished making the first man, Adam. He put him in the garden of Eden, put him to work, and he looks and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. So I'm gonna make him a helper. I'm gonna make him a partner. Now it's important to know this, that that word helper does not mean assistant. It does not mean subordinate. It does not mean that the woman comes alongside and helps the man do what the man needs to do and then they're just there along for the ride. Elsewhere, that same word, that, that word that's used for helper is used to describe God, that God is a helper. We know that God is not our assistant. We know that he is not subordinate. If anything, he's above men. Can, men consider that when you're looking at your wife, right? It's, it's about partnership. It's about coming alongside one another. Um, it's about working together. But here's the big picture. The big picture of what's happening here is that relationships are designed by God. Friendships, um, community, partnership, marriage is a God's idea. It's, it's God's idea. We are not designed to be alone, which implies this, that if God designed relationships, if he designed marriages, then he has a way that it was intended to function. It's not that he just created and said, go do what you want. He has a way in which he designed it to function because he created it. Our goal should be to pursue marriage, to pursue relationships the way God intended. Press the reset button. Hey, wait a second, I gotta press the reset button. I've been maybe pursuing this the way I, I thought, the way I wanted, but maybe I need to press reset and think, what does God want for this? What does this look like in God's eyes? There's a, there's a hashtag uh, circulating um, social media, if you don't want to know what a hashtag is, you need to speak with someone that's 35 years or, or younger. And if uh, you're 35 years and younger and you don't know, then there's no hope for you. Uh, basically, a hashtag is a way of categorizing you know, posts or topics and, and tagging posts and topics on social media. But there's a, there's a hashtag that has been circulating social media for a while called relationship goals. Hashtag relationship goals. So someone will post a picture of a relationship, and it could be like a, a couple kissing, which I don't know why people want to post that kind of stuff on the internet. A couple kissing, maybe a romantic dinner, maybe a long, nice long walk on a beach or you know, something like that. And then someone would comment on that post saying, hashtag relationship goals. And it's their way of saying, I want that. I see that. And I want that. Oh, that's my goal. That's my relationship goal. I, I see that. I want that. I desire that. And if we're honest with ourselves, for those of you who know what I'm talking about there, we don't even need social media to do that, right? We can glimpse into someone's relationship. We can take a look at someone's, you know, marriage or a couple and be like, oh, I want that, what they have. I want, I want what they have. Ah, ah, that, that's what I want. But what is it that we really want, right? Like, if it's the social media post, do we want, like, the picture that's been filtered and probably took 10 tries of frustration to get the, the perfect angle, you know? I don't know about you guys, but that's how it's often with our family. We're trying to get kids to pose. Oh, this one, you guys, you're not looking. Now you got to look. And everyone, you know, trying to get this perfect. Do you want the, that? Is that what you want when you look at a relationship? Do you, are you looking at the Jones couple? You know what I'm talking about? Everyone's trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, that everything looks picture perfect, and we all know that behind the scenes there's something going on, but we don't know because all we see is the, do we want the picture perfect? Do we want the unrealistic expectation of relationships? Because that's what we want, right? We want the picture perfect, unrealistic expectation of, of what's going on there. That's what we want. Now, it's good to want something better. 
right? The idea of wanting something better is good. It's good to want to be better than normal. Relationship goals are good. But because I think, I think normal is not good enough. I, I think we shouldn't be satisfied with the status quo when it comes to our relationships. I think we shouldn't be satisfied with where we're at. I think we shouldn't be satisfied with how society paints relationships. I think we should want more because I think what normal is in our society, when I look around, I see, I see regret. I see selfishness, right? I see jealousy. I don't see mission-mindedness. I don't see Christ-centeredness. I, don't, I see a high divorce rate in the church and outside the church. I don't see a difference between how relationships exist in the church and how relationships exist outside the church. But there should be a difference, right? There should be a difference because as people in the church, as people, as followers of God, we're going to pursue relationships the way God designed, the way God intended. So that must look different than the way the world looks at it, right? So it's good to want something better. We want something better. We want to we press the reset button and pursue the kind of relationship, the kind of goal that God designed and truly honors God. And we're going to look at four things over the series, but I want to look at one this morning that's very simple, very simple truth, because I think if we, can, if we overcomplicate it, we're like, man, that's really good, but then we walk away and we don't actually take anything and put it into practice. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I want, I want, to, I want to make this so insanely practical that you can walk away and actually do, do it, right? So that the, the thing that we're looking at today, the, the one topic that we're looking at today is Christ-centered. When it comes to relationships, we want to pursue a Christ-centered relationship. Track, no, track with me, everybody, right? Track with me, everybody. That's our goal. So what does it mean to be Christ-centered? Well, I'm glad that you asked. Just because, just because one person or just because Two people in the relationship, or just because you, or you and the person that you're with, or you and your spouse, call yourselves a Christian and go to church does not mean that your life, and does not mean that your marriage is Christ-centered. I love that you're here this morning. I'm excited that you're here this morning. I think Sunday's the best day, but just because you're sitting on a chair this morning does not mean that your relationship, does not mean that your life is Christ-centered. Now make no mistake, our lives and our relationships are centered around something. Our lives are centered around something. Our relationships are centered around something. We don't often think about it. It's not often in the forefront of our mind. But if we actually take time to pause and look at our life and look at our relationship, look at our marriage, we would begin to see that it's centered around something. So maybe for you, if you're, uh, if you're married, or maybe even if you're single, it's centered around you, which is what our society says is what it should be, right? It's your life. It's your life. So your life is centered around you, what you want. Your, your marriage is not centered around them. It's centered around you and what you want and what you desire and what you want to do and what, how you want to paint the walls, which some people don't care. The other, the other one might not care, so yeah, whatever. But it's, it's all about you, where you want to go, how you want to spend money, how you want to give, how you want to serve, how you want to attend, what you want to do. You is the big factor when it comes to your marriage. Maybe in your family situation, it centers around your kids. Your kids are the center of your, of your family. It's all about what your kids want, what your kids are doing. It's making endless sacrifices for your kids and never investing in your marriage. Now, what happens when your kids grow up and they move on? There's nothing left of your marriage because it's been centered around your kids. 
Your kids, can I just say this? Your kids have become an idol. They've become a god because you elevate them above everything else. Maybe for you it's about money. Maybe your life and your marriage centers around money and and making more money and earning more money and getting more money and saving more money and having the best retirement fund and hoarding more money and not spending money and guarding money and not, you know, being very careful how we, we give money and, and what happens with our money. It's all about money. Every conversation surrounds money. You know, a large part of divorces end because of financial issues. It's about money. Maybe for you it's centered around materials. It's all about the image, shopping and, and shopping and, and stuff. And you say, well, I don't go shopping anymore. I just go online and shop because that's what you can do now. Do you know that? You can shop for everything you need, ever need online. You don't even have to go to a grocery store except for them to put the groceries in the back of your car. You don't even have to get out of your car, which is incredibly convenient, and I love that part. But maybe for you, it's centered around image. And I'm not going to post, dare I post a picture that shows a flaw in our relationship, I don't want people to know that we're struggling, which maybe, yeah, yeah, it's private information, but it's got to look great because it's all about the, the material. It's all about the image. Maybe your life and your marriage is centered around success and career and job. When people look at your, at your relationship, when they look at your life, what do they think about? Do they think about work? Now, we all got to work, right? We all got to make a living. I get that. We, all got, we live in a society where the commodity is, is, is money, and we need to use money to, in order to survive, right? We have to have a roof over our heads. We have to eat food and, unfortunately, have to pay for food. I get that. But is it centered around money? Maybe it's centered around something else, or, 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 or sorry, job. Maybe it's centered around something else or someone. Maybe it's centered around your partner, your spouse. Maybe it's always about what they want what they want to do, where they want to go. And I get, I get the submitting to one another. I get the coming along, I get that self-sacrificing idea, but they become the, the one. And the problem with, with this mentality, this kind of mentality, is we're always chasing after someone or trying to change someone to make us feel happy. You're tracking with me a little bit. That I, I need to find the one, I'm either pursuing the one or I'm trying to make someone into the one, or I'm trying to put something into my life that's going to make me feel whole, it's going to make me feel complete. And this comes from the soulmate idea. Do you know that there, according to the scriptures, there isn't a soulmate? You don't find that in, in the Bible. But it's bled its way into the church community. The idea of a soulmate actually comes from Greek mythology. According to Greek mythology, we were creatures that were created with four legs and four arms and a, and a head with two faces. And Zeus, fearing our power, split us in half and condemned us to a life searching after the other. That's the idea of a soulmate. That's true. But it's bled its way into the church that I gotta find, I gotta find my one. I gotta find that one person that's gonna make me feel what? Whole. I just need them to complete me. Or I need, oh, they're, they're not... They don't make me feel whole anymore. I got, I got to change them. I got to work on them. I got to, you know, I got to, he's got to be better. She's got to be better so that I can, so that I can feel complete. Do you want to know something? You don't need somebody to complete you. And if you're pursuing that kind of relationship, you're not pursuing a God-intended relationship because God did not design you to chase after someone to complete you. Single is a whole number. Jesus did pretty well without a wife. Paul accomplished a lot. You are meant to be whole, you ready? You are meant to be whole in God alone. 
In God alone, in Jesus alone, if you're looking for someone to complete you, the only person that can complete you is Jesus. Your your spouse, your significant other, that person, there is no one perfect enough to make you feel whole. And if if you put that expectation on your spouse, if you put that expectation on someone, you're destined to fail because they cannot live up to that standard. It's unfair to them and it's unfair to you. And so we have this thing that we're chasing, this mentality that we're chasing that I just, I, gotta, I center my life around my, my pursuit of the perfect person or I center my life around something to make me feel whole. And that's supposed to be in God. That's supposed to be in Jesus. So when it comes to, when it comes to our, our, our marriage, a Christ-centered marriage or a Christ-centered life, here's it is. Jesus is supposed to be number one. And your spouse or that person is supposed to be number two. That's not what our society says, right? That's not what we, what we chase after. Well, they gotta be, they're, my, they're my one. They come first. No! No, they don't. They come second. I always, I always throw people off when I say stuff like that. I'm like, I love my wife, Jody. She's a strong number two. <laughs> she's, oh, she's number two in my life. It's because God is number one. Jesus is number one. Spouse is number two. Jesus is first. Jesus is your soulmate. Jesus is the center. When asked what the greatest commandment was out of all the commands in the Bible, Jesus replied this in Matthew 22. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. He doesn't say give your heart to somebody else. Love somebody else with all. Now, I'm not saying you don't love your spouse. I'm going to get to that. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But God is, is number one. You know when you look at the Ten Commandments, what's the first thing on there? You shall have no other what? God's before me. Number two, idols. Do you know what we do? Spouse becomes your God. Kids become your God. Money becomes your God. Fill in the blank. Career. That becomes the thing that you chase, the thing that you center your life around. What do you center in your life around? What, what has your focus? Love God, it says. Center your life around God because our lives and relationships are centered around something. Now, here's how you can tell what your life is centered around. Ready for this? Whatever your life is centered around will dictate your values and beliefs. Right? Whatever is at the center of your life, at the center of your marriage, will dictate your values and beliefs. And your values and beliefs dictate your actions and your decisions. And those influence the, the difference you make in the world or the fulfillment that you feel. So if you want to know what the center of your life is, don't just try to tell somebody because that doesn't mean anything. Look at your actions and your decisions. Look at them all. Look at your bank account, what you spend money on. That will tell you what you value. That will tell you what you believe. And that will tell you what is at the center right? What is at the center of my life dictates my values and my beliefs, which influences my my decisions and my actions, which influences the fulfillment that I feel. So who is at the center? Who is at the center? Is it you? Who's at the center of your marriage? Is it your kids? Is it your finances? Listen, and I, I, I get the struggle. I get, like, we live in a real world. We live in a hard world, 
right? We live in a difficult world. Like we're, we're grinding every day to work just to make ends meet. I understand that. I get that. that that's, it needs to be a focus, but not number one, not the center. Things don't flow through that. That's what we're talking about. What, flo- what does everything flow through? You can't have everything flow through your spouse. You can't have everything flow through your bank account because everything will be influenced because of that, right? So who is at the center? Is it your lifestyle? Or is it Jesus? Is he at the center? Because if he is at the center, then he influences my values and beliefs. And then that changes my actions and my decisions. And that impacts the fulfillment that I feel or the difference that I make. If Jesus is at the center, that changes how I raise my kids. That changes what I do with my money. That changes what I do with my time, my job, my career, my mission. It influences everything. So who's at the center? We want to have Jesus at the center. Right? We want to press the, rela- the reset button and, and pursue the kind of relationship that God designed. And God designed Adam and Eve to be um, to, for him to be at the center of, of Adam and Eve. So for those of us who, um, who aren't married or you're maybe single, what do you do? How do you, how do you, how do you make Jesus the, the center of a, of a marriage when you're not married? Well, you start living like that today. If I want a Jesus-centered marriage in my future, then I live a Jesus-centered life today. I don't say this, oh, well, one day, when I, did, when I find the right person, find the right person, you know, we're going we're gonna to get involved in church, and, and we're going we're gonna to take God seriously once, once, once I find that right person. Anytime you, but, but for now, I'm just going to do my own thing, but anytime you do your own thing outside of God, it's called sin. Right? And you don't build a, a God-centered marriage in your future on a foundation of sin today. So if I want that in my future, I center my life around Jesus today. You want to know what happens? I'm made whole. And so when I approach that relationship, when I approach that marriage, I'm not looking for that person to fill my void. I'm bringing wholeness into that relationship. And I'm able to love that person better. Can I just say this? Love whether you're, whether you're single or married, love Jesus more than you could ever love your spouse. Love God more than you could ever love your spouse. And you will end up loving your spouse more than you could if Jesus wasn't the center. Like it's, it sounds, it's, like, it's like odd math, right? Well, I, I need to give my spouse my all. I need to love them because that's, that's what we want to do. I want to love my spouse or I want to love my future spouse. I want to love them with everything, absolutely. But your everything is not everything. Your everything could be everything when you add God into the equation and you make him the center because all of a sudden the love I give is not from myself, but it's from God. It's the, same, it's the same math when it comes to finances, right? God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. Right? God can do more with your marriage when you're loving your spouse the way he intended you to love them through him. But if I'm loving them with a void in my life because I'm looking for them to, to fill me, then I'm, then I'm missing something. So I love, my, I love um, God more than I can ever love my spouse. Jody, and I just said this earlier, Jody isn't my first love. And Jody will tell you the same thing. We've had this conversation multiple times. Jody is not my first love. Jesus is. 
But because Jesus is my first love, apart from every time I fail because I'm human, I can love Jody more. I can sacrifice like Christ sacrificed. I can give up what I need to give up. I can let go of control that I need to let go of control because I'm no longer trying to do it with my own kind of love. I'm doing it with God's love. Love with Jesus at the center is greater than love without Jesus at the center. So who or what is at the center? Now, if you're, if you're married and your spouse isn't on the same spiritual page as you or level and you want a Christ-centered marriage, what do you do? Same thing, is you make Jesus the center of your life. You make Jesus the center of your life and he begins to influence your marriage. I love what, what Paul said. He said that the unbelieving spouse is sanctified, that holiness is brought into the marriage because of you. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Peter said this. He says that even if they don't obey the word of God, they may be won over when they see the purity and reverence in your life. You say, well, you know, my, my spouse doesn't believe what I believe or my, my significant other doesn't believe what I believe. Well, make Jesus the center of your life so that your values and beliefs flow through him, and so your actions and decisions flow through that, and so, so you're influenced by that, and that will have a ripple effect and impact the relationship that you have. So let's press the reset button on how we go about relationships. Let's live a Christ-centered life and a Christ-centered marriage, but how do we do that? I just got one step for you this morning. One very simple step I told you. Last week, if you are here, I gave um, multiple action steps um, when it came to overcoming strongholds, but like, like I said earlier, if you have a lot of steps, you're less likely to complete those steps. So I got one thing for you to take home and apply. I'm going to invite our, uh, our keyboardist to come. One step, and it's this. It's how do you have a, a begin to have a Christ-centered marriage? Is you commit to pray together daily. Now track with me, everybody, right? You commit to pray together daily. Both of you, even if it's short and sweet, pray together daily. And I know what some of you are thinking. You want me to pray aloud? That's really private, Pastor Call. <laughs> That's a personal thing. Well, do you know what? We do a lot of personal things with our spouses, right? Maybe you go to the bathroom with them in the room. That's pretty personal and private. You have babies, or you practice having babies, or you're done having babies, but you're still practicing. Read between the lines. You lock lips. You do a lot of private things. And according to Genesis, it says the two are no longer two, but they become one in a marriage. So pray with your spouse. Pray with your spouse. Jesus said it again in the New Testament, the two become one. You are one. Now, I get the hesitation because I was, as I was preparing this, I, I went and talked with Jody because this is an area we struggle with sometimes. We struggle with coming together and praying, and we laughed. I'm like, hey, this challenge is just for us as it is for the church, and she laughed too. We're like, hey, we got to do this. I, I, I read this, and I, and I believe it wholeheartedly. It said, if the enemy can keep us from praying together, then he can keep us from bonding spiritually. If the enemy can keep you and your spouse praying from praying together, then he can keep you from bonding spiritually. And then he can keep you from having a Christ-centered marriage. And then he can keep you from serving together, from giving together, 
and letting all of your actions flow through that. But if we begin to pray for each other in our marriages and in our relationships, then we're less likely to fight. It's hard to fight with someone that you just prayed with. You're less likely to hate. You're less likely to grow apart. If you are here today and you have an ongoing sin problem like lust, you are less likely to look at pornography when you begin to pray with your spouse. Yeah, I went there. If you pray together, you're more likely to be on the same page when it comes to church activities, get involved in ministry. You're more likely to talk about spiritual things, serve together, give together. Christ will be the center which impacts your values, impacts your actions, and then influences how we make a difference and how we feel on the inside. So how do we do it? Very simply, number one is you keep it short. Keep it short. If you try to commit to like 10 minutes of prayer together and, you're, and you've never prayed together, you're not gonna do 10 minutes of prayer every day together. It's not gonna happen. Some of us have a hard time praying for 10 minutes alone, never mind 10 minutes with our spouse. Keep it short, even if it's 30 seconds. Even if it's 30 seconds before you walk out the door, pray. Maybe it's in the evening. You find it, you, this number two is you keep it consistent, right? Maybe for you that's in the morning. Maybe for you that's in the evening. If you are not a married couple and you're in a relationship, this will decide, this will be a deciding factor on whether or not you, can, you should pursue this in marriage. Begin to pray with one another. Keep it daily. Daily. Because we fight the battle daily, right? We fight the battle daily. So here's an example. You could say something like this. God, give us wisdom and lead us today. Help us to show your love and shine your light. Keep us close to you, close to each other and away from temptation. That's it. Even if you came together and locked hands and just saying, Jesus, be with us today, amen. That's the beginning of something great. If you are single and see marriage in your future, same idea. You begin to pray for your spouse every single day. You pray for your spouse, even though you're not married, even though you're single, even though you're young, or even though you're old, and you pray for them. More importantly, though, is that you pray every day that you would have a Christ-centered life. You pray that Christ would be the center of your life because if he is the center of your life, if you find yourself married one day, then that marriage is more likely to be a Christ-centered marriage. If you are married, but your spouse isn't on the same spiritual page, you're like, this is all really nice, Pastor Carl, but this doesn't really apply to my situation. Hold on. There's a few things you can do. Number one is you can ask your spouse. I don't know the nature of your relationship. I don't know the nature of, of, of how you communicate, but maybe they're open to that. And maybe you just pray. Would you be okay if I prayed for us each day? Would you just sit down? Maybe they say yes. Maybe they'll say sure. If they say no, then you say, okay, that's okay, but here's what you do. You pray for them every day. You pray for them every day. Every day. You pray for their heart. You pray for their attitude. You pray for their work. You pray for them. And God will begin to influence your marriage just like if two couples were in agreement. And then also, pray that Christ will be the center of your life because if Christ is the center of your life, he begins to influence your values and beliefs. And that's gonna influence your spouse. That's gonna impact your spouse because you're gonna begin to love them differently 
And the love that you give them is gonna impact them because they're gonna see the change. They're gonna be like, wait, something's different. You know, you're not, you're not getting upset the way the dishes were put in the dishwasher because you're loving them no longer with your love. You're loving them with, with a God love. I, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I like to unload the dishwasher and reload it the proper way. I go to the dish, I'm like, oh, that's not right. And I pull it all out. But you begin to love differently. So whether you're single, married on a different, on a different page, or married on the same page, you pray for your spouse and you pray together daily if you can. And you will see the nature of your relationship shift and become more Christ-centered, which is the kind of relationship that God designed. Listen, we don't live in a perfect world, right? Our relationships aren't perfect. If yours are, you are blind. If you think it's perfect, you are blind. Maybe it's really good. Maybe it's, maybe it's growing and that's fantastic. But pray, pray. If you find yourself on the end of a relationship, you're coming out of one that maybe is, you're, you know, you're just coming out of a, a broken marriage or, or whatever, pray. Pray for your spouse, even your ex-spouse. The Bible says, and I hesitate to say this, but I'll say this, to love our enemies. Even if it's difficult, you pray for them. And God's gonna begin to change your heart and your attitude. And you begin to pray that you'd have a Christ-centered life because this idea, of, this idea of relationship reset doesn't just impact marriages. It could impact your relationship with your mom and dad, with your family, with your brother, your sister. It could impact the relationships you have at work. I wanna have better relationships at work. I wanna get along with people better. Well, then make Christ the center of your life and you will begin to get along with people get better. Even the ones that are hard to get along with. You're like, man, that person is really hard to get along with. Well, maybe it's because you're trying to do it with just your own strength. But Jesus got along with a lot of people that, that people didn't get along with. Zacchaeus hanging out in the tree, nobody wanted to talk to. Tax collector, ripped people off. Jesus went and hung out with him. Nobody wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus. Jesus did. Press the reset button. You make Christ the center of your life. You make Christ the center of your relationship. And very simply, by praying daily together. Lock hands and pray. Lock hands and pray. Lock hands and pray. And you're like, it's awkward. Yes, it is, but it's good. It's uncomfortable. That's okay. But we get better. When you got married, the first time you saw someone naked, it was awkward. Yes, I said naked in church. It's okay. We're all adults. If we can do that kind of thing, we should be able to do this kind of thing. Right? Let me pray. Would you bow your heads? You know, if you're here today, I'm just mindful of this. You know, it's hard to have a Christ-centered life if Christ isn't your Lord. The Bible says that God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins, that if we believe in him, we will not die eternally, but we will have eternal life. That if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, that we are saved. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never, you've never said that Jesus is Lord of your life, that you've never invited him to come and be the center of your life. If you're here today and you're like, do you know what? I would like to do that today. I would like to become a Christian. I would like to become a follower of God. I would like to, be, to, be, to have Jesus in my life. If that's you today, nobody looking around. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. Thank you. 
Maybe you're here today, I just wanna add this into there, and you need to rededicate your life. You've walked away, you fell away, you haven't been living life the way maybe you should, and, and you're just like, I need to just pray that, that God would again be the center of my life. If you're here today and you'd like to rededicate your life back to Jesus, would you just raise your hand? Thank you, thank you. Can we just pray with, with these people? Dear Jesus, repeat this after me. Say, dear Jesus, I commit my heart, my mind, my body, my soul to you. Forgive my sin, come into my life, and be my God. Help me to put you at the center. From this day on, in Jesus' name, Amen. And Father, I pray that every one of us, Lord, regardless of what our relationship status is, Lord, that we would begin to put you at the center of our relationships. We begin to put you at the center of our life, and we begin to see you shift and change and transform our lives and our relationships, God, in a way that you intended them to be, Father God. I pray in Jesus' name that our, our marriages, Lord, that we would see reconciliation where reconciliation is needed, that we would see a coming together, God. We would see restoration, Father God, in Jesus' name, that we would see um, more self-sacrificing, Father God. We'd see more of, of Christ-like values, God, a, 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 in exhibiting in our relationships. And so in Jesus' name, invade our relationships invade our hearts, Lord. And maybe we find ourselves in a, in a relationship where our spouse isn't on the same page. Well, in the name of Jesus, would you help us? Maybe we're single and we're, we're looking ahead to marriage one day. Well, would you help us put you at the center? Maybe we're in an engagement, God, and we're looking ahead to marriage. Would you help us put you at the center in a way that pleases you so that when we find ourselves in that marriage scenario, God, that the relationship is built on a foundation of Christ-centeredness in Jesus' name. God, we love you. And we know that you designed relationships and we know that you purposed relationships and we know, God, that we are not designed to be alone, but you, you created friendship and you cr created community and you created partnership and you created marriages, God, for, for our benefit. And so I pray that we would begin to approach these the way you designed and the way that you intended. So help us to look at them differently in Jesus' name. We love you, God. This is for your glory. This is for your honor. We give you all the praise and we put you at the center. We press the reset button and we put you at the center in the name of Jesus. Thank you so Jesus. much for listening. Said, we hope that this message brought amen. you closer the with Jesus step, and gave right? you a better really understanding nice. of your that walk with him today. When you walk out these if you'd doors, like to know more about who we are as today, a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also you like us on them. Facebook single, and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church. And you'll begin to see your relationship reset in a way that God intended. God bless you. We'll see you next week.